Welcome to the More Than Velocity podcast. I'm going to be hosting today. Bart's out. Um, and I am just so excited uh, to have Jose Vasquez on our podcast. It's not very often where you get a World Series champion um, to, to be on a podcast. Obviously, after you win something like that, you got to decompress. Um, but he's just got a wealth of knowledge. Uh, he's formerly uh, was directing strength and conditioning for the Texas Rangers. He's moved into a really cool role, in my opinion, um, as a special assistant that he's really defining right now. Um, and just to talk a little bit about him before I turn it over to him, he's done over 20 years at the major league level. And just to let you know, if, if anybody survives more than three years at the major league level, okay, you're pretty good. To be at the major league level for over 20 years you're somebody who I consider pretty elite. Players like you, the front office likes you. You're forward thinking, and uh, and he really supports his guys. Um, so, you know, Jose, um, I, I wanted to just kind of open this up and have you talk about this championship season. I've been in the playoffs a couple times. I've never, ever been where you are. Um, you know, Jordan, you were at the Angels. We never got anywhere, <laughs> right? So, uh, you know, from your from your lens you know, as someone who is really responsible for the players' bodies, I, I'd be concerned, like, I, I'm curious what that was like for you, the journey, you know, to the cup. Yeah. Um, man, you know, there, there's so many things that I run through my head right now as you, as you bring that up. But, um, you know, I, first I'll, I'll, I'll begin by talking about just the baseball part of it. You know, I'm a former baseball player and I, and I grew up playing baseball and this is what everyone, every baseball player dreams of is to be in the World Series, winning it. Uh, so, so to experience that, to have watched that, to have lived that, uh, it, it was a dream come true as a former baseball player. So it was great to see. Uh, and one of the things that always comes back in my head is why did I get in this job in the first place? And the only reason I... I got into strength and conditioning in the first place is because I wanted to know what the best players do. You know, I was always curious to see what the elite players did. And so I, I began just a, a, a pursuit of trying to transform the body into an elite athlete. And, you know, and I started with myself as a former player. So I, that, I was very curious. And so that led me to a journey where I ended up in major league baseball. And then this year, just having, having been there, seen it, worked with a lot of these guys uh, for years, some of them. Uh, it, it's it's a very rewarding culmination of, of a work that began when I was in college. And so uh, this to me wraps up a lot of years, a lot of dreams, a lot of questions, a lot of, uh, you know, not, not just professional questions, but personal questions. So, uh, I guess in short, to be a World Series champion, be part of a World Series team, it's a dream come true personally and professionally. Yeah. Well, I remember because people who might not be following along MLB history, I mean, this is the first ever World Series win for the Rangers, right? I, I want to make sure I got this right because I remember being in Buffalo doing my PhD and you guys were playing, if I'm not mistaken, the Cardinals in the World Series. Is that correct? And that was no, like no, the no. David Freeze year, right? Yes. So, I mean, 
like you, you've kind of gone from that part, you know, there was a big drought pretty much from getting that high side of things. And that was a heartbreaker, right. Yes. To the coming, you know, to the, to the level that you're at, um, you know, uh, I guess, you know, one of the questions I want to ask you from, from my lens is the, the championship mentality, um, looking at your players, you know, what were some of the things, did you see some things that were different this year than previous years, um, from, from at least from them? I, I know when you get rolling, cause I remember going to the playoffs, it's like, man, every day is good. Your heart's racing. You're getting up on time. It's like, it's like being on, it's like a drug, you know? But I'm wondering what you had seen in your guys, you know, this season. Um, well, the one thing I, I did see, and I and I will and I will always say about this team, this team seemed to have the best chemistry of any team that I've ever been around. They had a lot of chemistry within themselves, and they and they really were a, a, a team as a whole in the clubhouse, on the field, off the field. So they had a lot of chemistry that I hadn't seen before. Uh, also, they had a work ethic that was different than I had seen before. And not that the other teams didn't work hard, but it seemed like a desire to win everything they did. Mm -hmm. uh, desire to win the workout, desire to win the a card game in the clubhouse. Uh, you know, the desire to win an argument, uh, <laughs> as, as simple as that is. But there was, there was just this aura about these guys that it was just all about winning and and uh i had never experienced that before the other times that i've been around good teams winning teams there was a few the few guys that they were all about winning but not all of them i could honestly say i, I didn't i didn't feel that from a lot of them but like this group it was all about winning uh mm -hmm. every day and so uh i know it sounds cliche but when you're around a guy that just will correct you and say, Hey, no, I'm, I'm not going to take a day off because I'm here to win a world series. And, and when you hear that message over and over again from players and, and, and management, you, you have to believe it. And for the first time in my life, I saw it. So it, it was just a mentality that the way they went about it, it was all about winning. I think, yeah, I mean, I, I love that. I, I want to flip it over to Jordan because, you know, he, he was, had a very good beat on player development right you're talking about winning and jordan came into the angels before me okay and you know that that whole team has been dismantled so we can talk a little bit about the the previous experiences we had but jordan started there and jordan i wanted to kind of because you know we're looking at the top layer what jose's talking about the the cream of the crop player the you know these are the guys who are the untouchables but you were there in 2016 what, what was the kind of the atmosphere of player development with the angels? Cause when I came in, I don't think winning was the culture. Um, why don't you hit that? Because, you know, you were there longer than me. So I get curious about what your viewpoints were on the bottom up. Yeah. So I, I had a weird role cause my first year I, it, during spring training, I did one day on the big league side, one day on the minor league side, and I would rotate back and forth between those things. So I kind of saw both ends of it. And unfortunately, there was this, this mindset of need a day, take a day, especially during spring training. And it was on the big league side and it was on the minor league side where this was kind of perpetuated, you know, predominantly through the players. And there was a lot of veterans involved there that had been in the game for a long time. So it's a little different mentality. 
But it was this, hey, you need a day, take a day. And then those older guys who may be able to get away with that, that kind of bled into those young first-year kind of guys trying to get on the roster. And then when they would get sent back down, that would go back into that minor league clubhouse side over there. So that was one of the things that that bred this, what I would kind of say is dysfunction. And that year I also went to uh, Inland Empire, which was at the time or high affiliate. I think that's low A now. And I would do a little travel between all the affiliates as well. So it, it was just kind of that same mentality of, because we had so many guys rehabbing, they kind of were all over the place, obviously, that it was whether we were in Arkansas at the time or where our AA affiliate was or whether we were in Burlington, it was that, hey, if you need a day, take a day. So everybody kind of used this excuse of I'm going to do a little bit less in the weight room today as opposed to I'm going to win in the weight room today because that's going to keep me healthy or I'm only going to throw 15 pitches on that bullpen today instead of I'm going to work on that breaking ball down away working on a split finger gloves, whatever that, whatever that problem was, it was this, Hey, I'm okay with just kind of mediocre mentality. Um, and I've, I've seen aspects and I remember talking, I'll use the name Mike Gallego. Um, he's got more than one world series ring. He's got a couple of those. He's played on some really good ball clubs. He's coached some really good ball clubs and he, and he had this mentality that he's like, yeah, there was card games that would bust out in borderline fist fights because everybody wanted to win so bad on those championship teams. So a lot of those same things that you're referencing there, it's like everybody just wants to win so bad that they don't care what it is. Like we're playing, we're playing, you know, Uno ping cards. pong. It's like we're gonna win. We are winning on this ping pong game. We're winning on Uno. We're winning on sprints. Like I will not be second place. And we didn't have that to start out, especially with the Angels. Um, so just as a side note on that, but yeah. Well, I want to flip it back to to Jose. I mean, what was the trickle down effect? You're winning, your culture's winning, the world's watching you. How did that impact your minor leagues? You know, what does a World Series contending team do to the atmosphere of the hopefuls? Yeah, um, I, I can't honestly tell you exactly how it trickled down, but from the conversations that I had, I know that player development had a really good year this year. A lot of teams made the playoffs. Uh, so there was an expectation of winning and performance that perhaps hasn't been there in a while. Uh, but I think the message that has been demonstrated along the organization is that it's all about winning. And if, uh, if you don't fit that mold of a, of a winner, then it, chances are you're not going to be there very long. And mm -hmm. I think a lot of organizations and a lot in professional baseball in general, I, I think there's a misunderstanding between winning and, and developing and there's a misunderstanding of recovery and what's expected uh, <laughs> it was expected to win and and sometimes the the mentality of development sometimes gets misunderstood because it's not about uh take a day off so you can recover and then you can be sharp and you know and and in a sense that's necessary at times but the mentality has to be is if you want to be a champion, you got to be, you got to be able to play every day. You got to be able to, as a reliever, you got to be able to throw three or four days in a row as, as a starter, you got to make your starts. Uh, you know, so there has to be a mentality that somehow I'm going to, I'm going to meet the, the demands of the game. And so yep. I, we're, we're misunderstanding uh, recovery and development for taking days off and taking it easy. And the, 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 the game's not going to change. If you're a good starter in the big leagues, you're going to you're going to have you're going to have to meet 33 to 35 starts. If you're a good reliever, 
that got that they go to a lot. You, you're gonna make 60, 70, 80 appearances. And so if you can't meet the demands of that of the game, uh, you're probably not gonna be around. And so just because uh we have a schedule for you where you take days off and this and that, you, you gotta be real careful with with how you assign that that rest and 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 the, the message that you send to these guys. Uh, taking a day off is not just when you feel bad. Taking a day off is when you really, really need it. But the reality of it is, just remember, the goal is for you to play every day. If you're a position player, the goal is for you to play 162 games. And the goal of a starter is to make 30-plus starts. The goal of a reliever is this and that. You know, So, like, if, if you, the individual player, if you cannot wrap your head around that and you're always planning your days and approaching the game from the standpoint that I'm going to save myself until I get to the big leagues. You're going to get to the big leagues and you're going to get eaten up yeah. because the big leagues are really hard there. I've seen it time and time again, these super prospects that can't miss that are going to be, um, that have all these physical tools and they get to the big leagues that can't handle it because you're, you, you weren't ready. You weren't ready to meet the demands of the game. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's a couple things that you said is that you 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 do have to have a certain level of pain tolerance, like mm -hmm. you know, and 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 there's also other types of pain, like you have to have the pain of sacrifice. Yeah, right. Like there's certain things, you know, players have to. You know, we're talking about sleep and stuff, and you know, you got young guys, maybe you got some veterans. You know, they want to go out, they want to have fun on a Saturday night, and you got to be in there early on a Sunday when you're. When you're a winner, when you're a winner, you understand at this moment, right now, we're rolling. I'm not going out there. I'm not getting any stupid social media, you know, uh, attention around me. I'm dialed in. You know that that's that is. There's some personal uh, sacrifice there, and I, I kind of want to tell another story about like the culture. You know, we're talking about culture, and and having pride in your team. And Jordan will remember this is that there was a player that was pretty good, uh, a pitcher that we had, had a few injuries, and then he's in rehabilitation and he's he goes on social media and he takes a picture of himself and his girlfriend in another team's uniform, like shirt. You know, he's an angel. I can't remember the team, but might have been the Rangers actually, that he had he had the shirt on. He's from Texas, but but he wasn't buying into the culture. That, that's when I knew, you know, we at the time did not establish a clear culture of being a warrior, you know, it, it, and, and it was very kind of indiv individualistic, like what you're talking about, the player development model, you know, you're trying to get certain players more at bats, you know, you're matching up certain players in situations where you're like, you're giving in the game, you might not bunt and you need to, you know, to win, We're, you know, it's just not. It's not teaching them the playoff mentality of baseball. Every game is critical. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that that piece is, you know, it's really important. You know, I, I really do. I do say that. And like even semantics of words talking about injury prevention, you know, that's something that a lot of people want because we're talking about guys getting out there. Right. But the real message is is durability. It's not so much injury prevention. You've got to be on the offense. You're not trying to say, hey, I'm going to protect myself, right? You're going you're going after this so that you can claw yourself through. You know, you're going to wake up in the morning. 
You know, you might have kids, they jumped on you at six in the morning, you just got back in town, you know, and, and your sleep's broken and like, you can't come in and complain, right? Mm -hmm. you just, you got to show up. Um, I want to, I want to change some attention because like, I, I want to get to the analytics piece and the sports science element of your career. Okay. And, and, and I will say, you know, I've read a lot of your work. It's very, very meaningful. It shaped a lot of my uh, thought processes on making the translation of training to on-field performance. Not many people do the connecting of the dots. You know, we understand there's these process metric influencers, it's faster arm speeds, faster, faster bat speeds, faster running acceleration, which can be developed from training. But the connection to statistics has never been there, right? And, and you were doing that. So, so I want you to talk a little bit about those studies because I think they're pretty groundbreaking, you know, pers personally. Yeah. Uh, so back in uh, 2007, uh, I guess I've been in, with the Rangers for a couple of years, and you know, I, I always, I always question what I do. Am I doing the right exercises? Am I, you know, I, am I doing it for the right reason? Because I, I never want to fall into trends just to fall into trends. So I wanted to see if there was any. Anything that we were doing, number one, that was correct and safe for the players, but also that it correlated to any kind of metric, any kind of analytical uh, measurement that related to on-field on performance. And I've, I've always been a proponent of lower body power. That, that's, that to me, obviously, people still use that and then they throw that out there. But uh, I still – I was – been a big believer that you develop lower body power by lifting heavy and and testing your jumping ability and and, and practicing jumping plyometrics and so i wanted to test out is to see if there was any other stuff that we were doing in our workouts that was going to correlate to on-field performance and so we did a study where major league to minor league all the way through for two years a case study where we we took all the testing that we did vertical jump five ten five 10-yard dash, grip, body fat. Um, and we wanted to see if there was any correlation to any of those tests to anything on field. And, and we we came away with the, that vertical jumpers, guys that had really high vertical jumps, I would say 29 or higher, 29 inches or higher, if I believe it was the average then, uh, typically had more slugging percentage, more home runs, more total bases. So automatically, as I made the correlation that, you know, anybody with lower body power, it shows up in your power numbers as a hitter. Mm -hmm. uh, also, the grip, guys with big grips were also the power hitters. So that that tells me that, okay, well, we need to train lower body power. We need to train grip. And then we also uh, looked at the 5.10.5 and the 10-yard dash. And obviously, the guys that, the guys that were good at that were fast. It turns out that normally those guys were good base dealers. Normally those guys had good defensive range. Mm -hmm. So uh, I decided, well, if if these exercises, these tests correlate with these metrics, so if I want to improve those metrics, well, I want to continue to train lower body power. I want to continue to train acceleration, change of direction, grip. And so using using that, that case study, it, we kept on doing a lot of things we were doing and then we changed a lot of things we were doing. Uh, and so we, 
I was always very curious and I was fortunate enough at the time to be working with Jay Hoffman, who was a professor at college in New Jersey at the time, mm -hmm. who was consulting with us and he was able to uh, help me with all the statistical analysis and the research and help us write the paper. But the idea came from my, my question of, are we doing the right things? Do they correlate on the field? And if yes, continue doing it. If no, we got to make a change. I, I, I'd say we, I proved my question and we kept doing a lot of things that we were doing. And to this day, we're still doing some of those things. Awesome. I want to flip this over to Jordan because, um, and we'll come back to your research because there was another thing that you published on, on aging. Mm -hmm. and, and the unique thing with Jordan is that when he was at the Angels and previously he was with Tom House, he had such a mix of athletes. You know, he was running the enrichment, the, the uh, velocity enhancement enrichment program. Jordan was the spearheading that with certain guys. So we know some benchmarks he can talk about. Um, but then he would get some guys that we would we would major league players that we kind of had to refurbish. They they had inconsistencies in their their delivery and also they weren't performing very well and they're kind of on the downslope. Jordan, talk a little bit about kind of what you see in the aging pitcher. You know, the, in the delivery, in, and I think you worked with Zito when you were with like you saw some guys that they had changes as they were aging. They needed to adapt. Like, what are some things that you see around that? Because I think that's interesting. And I'll bring it back to Jose about that particular paper. Yeah, we had some cool stuff where, you know, through the NPA, we had, you know, the two big notable ones were obviously Zito and Joe Blanton, um, who were kind of those guys that were very much on the downswing. And they were fun to work with because, I mean, they'd, they'd both been obviously at the peak of professional baseball. And then they'd been kicked in the teeth enough to know, hey, we got to make some adjustments and what we're doing training wise is not quite there. But a lot of it, you know, like Zito couldn't run because his knees were so bad. So we had to find a way to get speed work in another way. So but a lot of it was that same thing. Like we weren't about I was taking some notes while you were speaking, you know, on on the vertical jump, the five ten five, different things like that is we, in a sense, were impacting their training and their throwing for things that would also impact those same numbers. So we were doing Zito like really short you know, explosive work. He was, you know, Blanton started getting more into powerlifting. We built some more stability around that. So, you know, little tiny things to impact things that are gonna make you jump higher, things that are gonna make you change direction better. Um, you know, I'm I'm not a not a CSCS and Ryan knows I like the word that we need them to be more springy. We need these guys to be springy athletes. Um and robust. I like springy and robust are the two words I use. So we started impacting the training with that. And then the younger athletes obviously don't need as much of that where they can be a little bit more well-refined where the aging athlete almost needs like 70, 30 on the more springy change of direction, whatever they were doing prior to, they need way more of that because it's an aging nervous system. Um, they need in, you know, the, the need a day, take a day going back to that. One of the things we changed in those mentalities with Zito Blanton, some of those guys like that was like, Oh, you need a day. Well, you're going hundred percent on your recovery. You are doing um, the overhead walks to flush the shoulder. Um, you're doing, you know, extra, you know, reverse walking to strengthen up those hamstrings on the days where we can't run you, but we can we can walk backwards. We can do downhill walking, whatever it is. We're we're gonna find a way to maximize that recovery. So it's not taking a day. We're maximizing that day with a little lower intent or lower volume with the same intensity. If that makes sense. 
So a lot of it was rephrasing some of that stuff. And, you know, we had some of those guys that, you know, with the angels that got back and did pretty good, you know, from where we had signed them, they were, you know, 84, 86, we got them back up to that 90, 91. So not their high end status um, for those guys like Junichi Tozawa. Um, but again, it was just rewiring him to work quicker, to be more springy, to be more athletic. And, you know, he was at that aging point of it as well, but those, those are the fun ones for me to work with. I like those guys. Hopefully I was answering your question. Yeah, because, yeah, because this is your observation, but I want to turn it back to Jose because he actually did the science of, of aging and what is, what has happened. So the initial study was the connection to the statistical measurement, right? Now it's looking at when do these physical elements start to cascade? And I don't know. I mean, Jose, I probably asked you to probably read some of your old stuff because sometimes I write stuff. I can't remember. Um, but talk about the aging study because that might be, for me, one of my all-time favorite studies and one that I actually would sit down with players that were more scientifically minded and be like, why? Why are you asking me in my warm-up every day to do rhythmic jumping? Why? Why are you doing that with me? Or major leaguers complained and originally about the warm-up. Um, and we had to actually bring the science in it, you know, and that came a lot from you, dude. Yeah. Uh, well, glad to hear that because you never know how your work in impacts people. But um, the the one thing I, I always have a question, I, I never do anything. I, I I've always been the type of person that I seek out knowledge just for my own personal development not to publish things or whatever, but I, I, I was blessed to have people that, to help me write some of these things. But the reason we we wrote that paper is because I was beginning, I was having a lot of questions why the front office would sign guys in their early thirties to these, what I consider big contracts. And I always had a question like, these guys are done. Like these guys are not what you think they are physically. Why are we doing you know, why are we making these decisions? And so I, I, th I said to myself, you know what, I'm going to take some, uh, some numbers. I'm, I want to try to evaluate what's, at what age do they begin to decline? You know, how does, how does the rookie, you know, rookie league Dominican kid compared to the 15 year veteran, you know, how, how do those numbers stack up and, and just to see what happens. And, and one of the things that we came up with is we started to see like late twenties, 29 30 31 a big decline in all those metrics and all those tests that we were doing um and we saw some the younger kids tended to be a little more explosive quicker faster but the older players tend tended to be high on the higher end of strength and grip and, and some of those other metrics and so my conclusion as far as other than late twenties, early thirties being a, an age to start seeing changes because the players, the players that were on that list that had good foundations of strength growing up, they were able to maintain that strength in their later years. And so when you take about, when you think about the variables of training, if you got a guy that's already strong, but you begin to see reaction time and quickness decline, well, you don't have to worry so much about strength. Now you just work on coordination, plyometrics, change of direction. And so, as Jordan said, now you, with the older guys, you don't have to worry about strength that much. You just got to touch it a little bit once a week, you know, uh, 
the volumes are low, intensity is high, but then if you focus the majority of training and moving quick, you know, moving quick, changing directions, accelerations, decelerations. And, and so what, what I saw that throughout the lifespan of a major, of a professional baseball player, you start seeing changes late 20s, early 30s. But the guys that had a really good foundation of training, they maintained their strength into their late, late 40s. But like anyone aging, you're going to lose reaction time. You're going to lose agility, acceleration, deceleration. And so it, it makes sense to, if you have this, well, then let's train that. If you have this, then let's train that. And the younger guys had a lot of agility. They still had that energy that, that any young person has. But a lot of them didn't have the strength. They didn't have the foundation of strength. So we took the opposite approach of the younger guys. The younger guys need more strength training, even traditional strength training. Because uh, tra <laughs> traditionally in baseball, people are all, we're always scared of the traditional lifting and traditional ways of lifting. I'm not talking Olympic lifts, but just the, the basic squad, the basic power lifting moves. People have always been scared of that because oh, it's bad for the baseball player. Well, it's not for a bad, it's not bad for a baseball player that can't even squat his body weight. You know, mm -hmm. can't can't even doesn't even have a uh, twenty five inch vertical. I would get young kids that were in the early twenties, and their vertical jump was twenty two inches, and the organization was asking, why can't we make this guy faster? I said because he's not strong. Mm -hmm. You know, and so. Uh, that chronological study identified what ages declines begin, but also separated the, the guys, the older guys with a foundational strength. Yeah, you work on plyometrics, agility, and that's the, the bulk of their program. The young kids, they need bulk. I mean, they need traditional strength because if they have talent and the twitchiness, what well, people call it, that strength is going to uh, amplify and supplement what they already have. And that's the whole point of training is you got to supplement what they don't have. And mm -hmm. so if I got a guy that's very quick and agile and, 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 and all that, but he's not very strong, that's either going to turn into an injury or it's not going to, the guy's not going to last. And, and in this particular case with this particular player that I'm talking about, he never became the player that he could have been because mm -hmm. he never got strong. And so um, that, that study helped me see a lot of things and it, and, and it, it drives a lot of the things that I, I still see today. I mean, aging is aging. I mean, that hasn't changed. Yeah. I mean, one of the things, so the, it, it was tough to get the, the point across early, but um, because, you know, major league players, they have their own set ways. And there's some that come in that say, you know, this, this is a taxing warmup. You know, they're doing low amplitude jumps. I'm talking about jumping over a credit card, really. So this small jumps yeah. every day to keep the stretch responses. Because in connection, around the same time of your study, another one was published on the peak age of major league baseball players where they hit declines. And they happened at the same time. Where I saw lower body, like guys were losing about a thousand watts in your study once they hit 29 in that bracket, 29, 31, they started really cascading down and they were heavy, right? So they're heavy. And that's telling me if their power's not going up, that means that their velocity characteristics are going down. Like what you said, they probably have very high max strength and you maintain that a while. But in this study, 
um, they were they were driving home the point at 29, you start really having declines in performance. And I think what happened is we had a couple guys that were kind of later into coming to the big leagues. They were like vocal, more leaders. They're still kind of getting through arbitration and they were at that 29 gap and hadn't made money yet. So, you know, the, the value proposition to the player changed from, you know, this is good for you physically. It's good for you for your stats. But then I could say you're going to lose money if you don't improve your lower body power, your stretchiness, the velocity component of power. You are and like those guys, 500 pound trap bar deadlift. You know, some of those guys could take 120s in their hand, dumbbells and press. I mean, if anybody's pressed 120 pounds in their hand and get six reps out of it, it's it's pretty monstrous, you know, as a baseball player. And, you know, it's just saying they've maximized their strength. And we always say strength matters most. But like what you're saying, the max strength yeah. is the key because it all it's the progeny of everything else. You need to have that strength to add the velo. Right. And like you're saying some guys had the velo. They don't have the strength. And, and that's like, that's the force times velocity continuum, you know, of power. Yeah. Um, one of the things I want to drive home, because I know we're kind of coming up on time, but you've taken all these measurements, right? And you've, you've done these things. And I know you can't openly talk about how you're using arm care. We're going to respect that. But I want to get your opinion, just in a general sense, of the power of individualized training and the power of what that can mean, you know, for the throwing arm, for, for the health of the team, you know? Like how you're using these metrics is key, but the individuality piece is kind of tough for people to wrap their heads around because yeah, it's a major league team. You got a bunch of guys coming in to train at once. It takes yeah. some takes some work there. Yeah, no. Uh, so one one of the things we were talking before we started the recording was when I first came into baseball uh, as a as a PT strength coach. One of the things that I was blown away is that there was no way to evaluate players to assign training. And so there was no evaluation process. And so over the last 22 years that I've been doing this, it's come a long way with the sole purpose is individualizing everything, individualizing arm care, individualizing, you know, weight training, individualizing everything. And so I, I think it's hugely important that you take, you be intentional with your testing so that you can individualize whatever you're doing with these players, whether it's arm care, whether it's running, throwing velocity, whatever. Uh, so it, it it is key when it comes to especially arm care. Arm care, it, it should if there if there's one thing about baseball, arm care should be the most individualized uh, because all these guys, their shoulders all feel different. They all like different feels. Some guys like it, like their shoulder to feel tight on pitch day. Some guys like to feel loose on pitch day. Um, so uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of variables in the way that these guys pitch, their mechanics, their body builds, their um, it. So it's so important that you individualize arm care, regardless of which method you use or or, or what what technology you use, but it's a must you can't you can't you don't you're not doing the players a service if you don't do individualized arm care real real yeah. quick i think one thing that really stands out is i wrote it down you said training is to supplement your areas of deficit mm -hmm. and i think a lot of people 
the, now that I'm in this new role, obviously I, I talk with, you know, groups from other organizations, group from universities, dads call in high schools, junior college, whoever it may be. And they say, well, we've just been running this general program and we see on the arm care stuff, all of a sudden, everyone's got these imbalances now with our weight room stuff. And that's where you need to understand. And that, that that's why I think it's great. We have you on here is training is to supplement your areas of deficit. So generalization is hospitalization. I know Ryan said that before as well. And you're kind of like the pioneer of getting in there and individualizing stuff. So I think that's pretty cool. And for me, people need to write that down too, is training is to supplement your areas of deficit. I think everyone needs to realize that. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's the key. That's the key to training anybody. Uh, and the one thing I always did from the very beginning, I could do the same exercise, have the same program for everybody, but everybody did the exercise different based on what I thought they needed. So, yeah. You know, I mean, the, the thing is, is the, as we wrap up, the people are listening. I mean, we have like almost 40 hours of education on this, like using data, data led approaches to individualized programs. And it doesn't have to be that complicated. You could have a general program that you write for every athlete and you could even just adjust the sets to offset an imbalance. You could adjust the velocities and yeah. the load, you know, whether they need strength or they need something more dynamic. I don't want people to get very, um, frightened of how much work it can be it can be a little bit of planning and small adjustments can make a really big deal so listen this is amazing this is the first time we've had an actual current like of the year world series winner um on our podcast i can't wait for more and um you know jose thank you so much uh for for what you've shared um you know, if people want to get a hold of you, we'll we'll keep that up to you. If there's some some way we can put it in the show notes of them getting a hold of you. I know you're a very busy man. Um, and this has just been an unbelievable edition of More Than Velocity podcast. And really appreciate you guys for listening. And thanks for coming on, man. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And I hope that some of the things that I've done in the past and some of the things I said today uh, help somebody, especially the players. I mean, because at the end of the day, we're here for them. And Without, without players, we wouldn't have these jobs. So uh, hopefully it helps it helps to drive the health and performance of the players in, of, of all ages. Awesome, man. Well, thank you. We appreciate you, buddy. Thanks.